Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! July 6, 2023, Graham Jesus and Matthews here. As always, joined by the one, the only, the illustrious Mr. Marceau. One month out, I think exactly, when we're speaking right now, I believe it's August 5th, we're recording this on August 5th, henceforth, no Dynamite review here today, recording early. But I think a month ago, or a month from today, Mr. Marceau, SummerSlam. And we're going to be there, made official the other day. I'm excited. How about you, Mr. Marceau? Doing well, how are you? I'm doing excellent. I already got everything set for SummerSlam. Not exactly, actually. That's a lie. But we are going to be going. Uh, second straight year, WrestleRant Radio crew going to be live in attendance for the uh, beautiful Detroit SummerSlam, my first time in the city. Actually, <laughs> not not true technically. I was in uh, Detroit with Alexis at the airport earlier this year for Mania. Uh, that doesn't really count, though. So beyond that, I, this will be my first time. In the city, I got the sightseeing list and everything getting ready. So just let me know where you want to go in the city, and we'll maybe we'll we'll take a ride before the big pay per view on Saturday. Definitely, I check out all the areas. <laughs> safe and not so safe. And my my apologies, no offense to those who live in Detroit, but uh, not exactly high on my destination list as uh, as far as places I wanted to visit. But listen, SummerSlam's going to be there first weekend of August. I'm looking forward to it. Still a lot to look forward to this summer between that and All In coming up in London as well, which is where Money in the Bank emanated from earlier this month. Uh, earlier this month. I mean, it was earlier this month, but it was literally four or five days ago. Um, and All In going to be taking over Wembley Stadium at the end of August, Mr. Mars. So we're going to start off with that in a moment because we got some news on that as of yesterday, actually. Um, but before we get going here, new episodes of the show every single Thursday, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss new episodes every single week. Talking Money the Bank here today. Talking Raw for Monday. Like I said, recording early before Dynamite. No AEW talk here today, except for this one note. So it was made, not official, but it was uh, noted by at WrestleTix on Twitter, which is a pretty accurate account, that as of now, they have sold 74,000 tickets, I believe, for the... Um, All-In show coming up at Wembley Stadium, like I mentioned. All-In, end of August. Very uh, impressive accomplishment, very impressive feat. We've talked a lot about this in recent months. How many seats can they fill? Can they fill the whole thing? Will they get even half? Um, Again, they're a pretty accurate account as far as uh, how many tickets are sold for this event. That's pretty good. So hearing that, your thoughts on that feat from AEW... Uh, I mean, I I would ask if you believe it. I would assume so. Whether you do or don't, do you think they can sell this thing out with the show coming up in a month and a half? Or do you think that where they are right now is kind of their ceiling? Um, I mean, it's dumb. I mean, it's like you said, a ton of tickets. I mean, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, I mean, I don't think they've announced technically anything for the show. So I feel like depending on, I mean, the fact that you sold that many tickets before the show, even, like, nothing's even been fucking announced. So, 
I mean, I feel like, like I said before, it's just like a big happening and people definitely want to be involved and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's crazy that before anything's even, like, that's what I think, like, makes it so fluky. It's like before anything's even announced, people are like, I'm going. Like, you don't even know what the fuck's going to happen. So I feel like that's, like, what's, like, kind of the craziest part to me. Um, but, I mean, I feel like once it's announced, like I said, you could definitely get more people depending on, like, the buzz and stuff. But, I mean, it is ridiculous because like, I feel like here they're struggling to sell at normal arenas with announced stuff in there that just nothing's been announced and they're just selling tickets like crazy. Well, going off that, the other obvious point as we head into our Money in the Bank review here, we'll start off with this talking about Wembley Stadium. John Cena making a surprise appearance at the pay-per-view. Um, kind of making it known, and it wasn't off the cuff, this was intentional by WWE, that they want WrestleMania in London. And I guess this was their way of kind of notifying officials in England and stuff like that. Like, hey, listen, if you want WrestleMania, if you want a big show here in London beyond Money in the Bank, we're talking, you know, SummerSlam would be nice, and they had SummerSlam there 30 years ago, great. We're talking WrestleMania, which is a completely different beast, their biggest pay-per-view of the year. They've never had WrestleMania overseas. The closest we've had outside of the United States was in Canada. That's it. It's never been anywhere else but the U.S. and Canada. Um, but they want to have it in London. I mean, the crowd's rabid. I think the demand is there. The time difference was always a big thing. I'm sure I was asked about this years ago, and people would always say, oh, because it starts at so late over there, they would never do that. I mean, a 3 o'clock WrestleMania at this point, who gives a shit? We get 3 o'clock pay-per-views multiple times a year at this point from all these different companies. Um, I, I really don't think it would matter all that much at all. People would still watch the show at 3 o'clock on a Saturday, Sunday, especially if they're still on Peacock at that point. Again, people would still buy the show regardless. Um, just talking about that, do you think, and I, I'm going to say I do, I, I buy into the belief that this AEW thing, and I'm not putting on a tinfoil hat here, I just think it's pretty common sense, that AEW selling as well as they have for Wembley Stadium kind of made WWE realize, hey, not only can we bring a pay-per-view to Wembley, because I saw what people said, like they that Wembley bid for... WWE last year, but Cardiff got it instead. Okay, Clash of the Castle is one thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying Wembley has never wanted WWE, but wanting a pay-per-view there and then wanting WrestleMania there are two very different things. I honestly think that WWE wants to run Wembley because AEW is doing it and doing so successfully. <laughs> honestly, just so they can have the biggest attendance in that arena. Uh, obviously not, you know, out outdoing SummerSlam 92, no shit. Um... Wasn't it 90? I don't remember the exact attendance. I, I think it was around there. But regardless, I do think there was the AEW effect here and wanting WWE, and WWE rather, wanting to run Wembley again for a WrestleMania just to say they've had the biggest attendance ever in that stadium. I mean, I think, I mean, if I was them, I wouldn't even run Wembley specifically. But, I mean, I think it definitely, like you said, makes sense. With I mean, once they saw what happened to Cardiff, I feel like, like that, especially... With what happened with AEW, I feel like kind of put two and two together. They're like the international market's hot, and might as well go there. I mean, if I was them, I'd go to the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium they just built, like in London. Um, I mean, I don't know how many people it holds. I mean, it's fucking brand new, state of the art facility. I mean, I don't know if they'll break the record. I don't think it holds that many people, but I mean, Wembley is iconic, but it also is a lot older. Um, so, I mean, regardless, I, I mean, I think they will run one soon. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. I Like I said, you, just based off the interest in Cardiff alone, I feel like it would make sense. And then on top of the AEW stuff, I feel like it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, especially with the audience they had for Money in the Bank over the weekend. Now, I know it was only, what, 20,000? I know they said something like 37,000, but that wasn't for one arena. That was just, for the O2, it's like the, that's like a regular, that, that's where they hold Raw, I'm pretty sure, typically. I know they were there with SmackDown on Friday. That's not that it's 
never happened before. I'm pretty sure they've been to the O2 many times before for Raw and SmackDown's tape shows and whatever. Um, it's not often they do a live pay-per-view from over there. I know they did TakeOver there about 10 years ago. That's really about it. They haven't had a lot of live shows over there since then, and just in general in the last 30 years. So, I don't know. I think it's definitely doable. I think the crowd demand is there if the AEW thing is any indication. And listen, AEW is a good product, but WWE is a bigger product, just in general. That's just a fact. So if AEW could pull in that many tickets for that show... Now, I know there's a difference, too, because AEW's never been over there, so there is that demand. WWE's been to London, so... I still think there'd be a demand for WrestleMania. As far as something is... Is that something you would want to see? I mean, coming off the atmosphere with this crowd at Money in the Bank, which didn't just make the show because the show was great on its own, but, but London, the London audience really did add to it. I assume that's something that you would want to see personally as well as much as I do. Um, Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I don't know if I want them to get WrestleMania, but they can get another show. I mean, WrestleMania is nice over here, so... Uh, <laughs> you don't want them to have, That's what I'm saying. You don't want them to have WrestleMania? They can, they can get Clash in the Castle or something. <laughs> You're know. so selfish. Sorry, it is the truth. I mean, I think so. Here's the thing: their crowds into it, but they can be fucking annoying. Like, they were a little bit annoying at Money in the Bank. Like, they they're trying to like get like I understand you want to be included, but like trying to take over the show is just stupid in my books. And seeing it like fed into it, it's just I get it. They're like a hostile crowd, but like when you're trying to make it all about you, it's just annoying. If you ask me. Uh, listen, I agree. I don't think they were. I I wasn't bothered by the crowd of the pay per view. I'd rather have a rowdy crowd than a than a cry than a quiet crowd. But that being said, though, you did mention it, and I said this while I was watching that Cena Waller segment, which I liked. I know you didn't like it as much, but Cena saying multiple times, "You guys are the show. It's all about you." I'm like, let's not give these crowds too much credit, and that's coming from someone who has also gone to a lot of these shows and enjoys being there and whatnot. I think you run the risk when you give the crowd too much, I don't want to say freedom, but like if you if you shine the spotlight on them too much. That was the issue WWE ran with the post-WrestleMania crowds. And nowadays, people don't give a shit about those shows because the crowds aren't quiet. I, listen, I'd rather have a tamer crowd than a crowd that is, personally, I'm at a point now where I see the beach balls and I'm like, this is fucking dumb. I think that is very disrespectful and you know people might not like that and whatever i think it's silly especially if it's during a match where it's not even that bad and people just throw it out there because they think it's the cool thing to do wwe ran the issue of shining the spotlight a little they did a whole fucking 24 documentary on the post wrestlemania shows so oh, beach balls and john cena would acknowledge it the match after i said claudio cesaro was out there popping these beach balls i mean these crowds i mean i i agree though that the i think we got to stop um, like the Rollins thing, you know, like with the Rollins and Balor segment, we got to stop giving them too much credit or attention. Otherwise it gets out of hand. No. Yeah, I agree. I think like, like you said, I, I'd rather a crowd be into it than like sitting on their hands, but like, I also don't want them to like be to the point. It's not like too much, like the whole Rollins, like acknowledging him with the song. It's got to the point. It's just annoying. I like Rollins, but the whole thing. And to me, it's just like, we have to, they have to hear him come out and then like sits there for 20 minutes and then the whole match they're doing it, it's just it's just annoying. It comes to a point, it's just annoying at one point, at that point. Yeah, no, it, it always gets to a certain point of it's not, and it's not complaining about everything either. I mean, I'm just saying, like, everything is good in, um, you know, with a happy medium. And I think with the Rollins thing specifically, him coming out, people singing the song, I'm not even, I'm not being a crusty curmudgeon here. I, I don't really care about that. I think it's cool. I like the song, whatever. He stands there, he lets him do it for another five minutes. Okay, I'm not a big fan of that, but, you know, it's fine. Um, not that big of a deal. 
whatever. You know, it's it's not my cup of tea. You know, Jericho does it too, whatever. When they start doing it during the match, that's when it bothers me. Because it's like you're clearly not paying attention to the match. It's not a fucking soccer match. I mean, you're just being annoying at that point. So, um, you know, wrestling fans can be, you know, myself included. I get it. I mean, we're all included in this. But we, we, we can be a divisive bunch, so that's what I'm kind of worried about. But I am looking forward at some point to Mania being in London. Do you think it's likely, though? I mean, Mania is obviously headed to Philly for 40 next year. Um, the report was was that it, it's looking unlikely within WWE. <laughs> I just don't know why you would do a segment like that if you knew internally that it's probably not going to happen. That just seems so silly to me. Why even do that segment? I mean, I think it's a possibility. I mean, like I said, I think it's... I mean. I think it's a possibility. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I, th- I think it's a possibility. Um, but, I mean, obviously, like I said, I don't really know exactly what their plans are, but I think it's possible. Bonus question. I know Nashville, we've, we've talked about it. Um, Nashville wants Mania at some point with the new stadium they're building in the next couple of years. I don't know if they have a lock on, like, Mania 43 or something, I thought, in 2027, maybe. I don't remember. Is there anywhere that Mania, you would like to see Mania go to? Again, they're coming to our neck of the woods again for Philly next year, Nashville at some point. Is there anywhere else you would either like to see them go for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time or go back to? Um, I mean, I feel like I always say Minnesota and they never go there. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like it's just like, obviously, it was like the, the home of AWA. I mean, I feel like they don't go there that often. I mean, Detroit's kind of close, so I mean, that's kind of... My next thing would be probably Detroit, but or not Detroit, be Toronto. But Toronto's right next to Detroit as well. So I would probably say those two stick out. I mean, Miami, again, would probably be nice. The, the stadium that they, they usually go to is upgraded now, so probably a better experience than it was since they last been there. I mean, Orlando, if you want to get shot and killed, no thank you. Um, I like Orlando. It's okay. Um, I wouldn't drive my car there. Yeah, there you go. At, at least the um, Camping World Stadium. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like besides that, like those, like I said, those kind of places. I mean, I feel like they're never gonna get one at like Gillette. I just feel like it's too cold, and they're never gonna do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be cool, obviously, selfishly speaking. But I just, I don't know. I don't see it happening. Um, I'm trying to think where else I would want one. I don't know. I just feel like it has to. Usually, it has to be like a bigger market, or it doesn't have to be. But that's usually what they do. So. Those are the three. I would say Miami again, uh, Minnesota or Minneapolis, Minnesota. I guess you want to be specific, and then Toronto. I don't know why the Minnesota one hasn't happened yet. I'm not really. I know that's been in the works now for a long time. There's been a big push to have it there, and it just doesn't. I don't know if it's a weather thing. Like I know people have said, oh, well, would it would. It would be too cold. But like honest question though, is it really that much colder there during that point of the year than Philly would be or New York was a couple of they years have ago? A dome. Okay, so then yeah, then I guess it, that wouldn't be an issue then. No, it's, I mean it's also like almost it's like a couple of years old. Like it's it's almost brand new. Yeah. I, uh, I thought once they built the new stadium, like before that one was kind of rinky dink, so it's like okay. But since they built the brand new one, I was like, oh, they'll definitely go there, and then it just never materialized yet. But I mean, it had it's not the, the weather's not the issue because like I said, they have a dome. It's a dome stadium now. Yeah. Um. So I don't know what they're doing. Like I said, maybe they're not maybe they're not paying enough money for them to come. I don't know. That's odd. Yeah, I don't know. That was years ago, too, because we always thought, oh, yeah, they're going to do a Minnesota next year, and Brock can retire there, and it's like, that was five years ago, and Brock's still around, so. (laughs) People thinking that they're waiting for them to go to Minnesota for Brock to retire are just ridiculous. He's not waiting for that. He doesn't give a shit. He almost retired during COVID a couple years ago, so I don't think he gives a shit about that. Um, I I wouldn't mind it. I've never actually been to Minnesota, though, so I would... 
as someone who's now gone the last couple of WrestleManias, it will probably be going going forward. Um, I would like to go to Minnesota, so maybe, maybe they can have a SummerSlam there, if nothing else. Uh, still no word on when SummerSlam is next year, or where it's going to be, and obviously we're, we haven't even hit this year, so no, no shit on that front, I guess, but, um, you know, hopefully at some point that would be cool. So getting back to Money in the Bank, um, I did like that segment with CNN Waller, not really much more to say about that than what we already discussed, but talking about the bigger talking points of this pay-per-view, I thought overall it was a really, really good show. And uh, it continues the what I think is a strong streak of shows from WWE this year. I know we've talked about it a lot. The last couple of pay-per-views of last year, you know, we even mentioned it here on the show actually last week. You know, Extreme Rules was 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 pretty good, but it wasn't like super memorable. Uh, we were at SummerSlam, we liked it. We were at Survivor Series, it was a good show. Clash was a great show. And every show this year has been, I think, a home run. Honestly, some have been better than others, but Rumble, great. Chamber, excellent. Mania, excellent overall. Uh, Backlash, excellent. Night of Champions, very good. And now we have Money the Bank, another excellent show, and dare I say one of the better installments of the event in the in its history dating back to 2010. Uh, but we'll talk about the two top two stories here, the winners of the men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches. Damian Priest winning the men's and EO Sky winning the women's. Now, we figured EO would win the women's. The men's one we weren't so as sure about. Damian Priest ended up winning that one. We even said here as much last week, we were actually both wrong. Um, I wanted LA Knight. You wanted LA Knight. You went with the, your your heart and said LA Knight. I went with my head and said Logan Paul. We were both wrong, and it was Damian Priest. And Damian Priest ended up going over, uh, which was not a bad call. I, I would honestly rather have Damian win over Logan. He deserves it. It makes sense. I'm glad we got it. So we'll talk about Damian first. What was your uh, takeaway from Damian Priest becoming uh, not Mr. Money in the Bank, but Senor Money in the Bank this year? I mean, yeah, we had discussed, I mean, I had actually discussed at the end before I picked LA now. I was like, honestly, with the way the story's going, I feel like Priest definitely could win, um, and then he did win. I mean, I don't hate it. Like I said, I feel like besides Knight, he was the only other person I really thought, oh, like I said, I don't think he really needed it because he was already contending for the world championship, but like, I guess with the story being told, with like Balor, him, Rollins, it made sense. Um, but besides Knight, he was probably the only other person I would, kind of accepted the win. I mean, Logan Paul, I guess, but, like, I just felt like it was too early. Um, but, no, I, 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 like, I wasn't pissed that Priest won. He said, I felt like, out of everyone, him and Knight made the most sense. Uh, he was more storyline makes sense. Like I said, I don't think he, like, needed the briefcase. Um, but with the, what the story is, I mean, it made sense once he won. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It further teases tension within Judgment Day. Um, I think we can safely say that we do not want him cashing in on the mid-card championship because I could see a scenario where he cashes in on Gunter, face or heel, whatever. Whether it be as a surprise or he announces it ahead of time, I could see that because I don't know if it's not Drew beating Gunter for the Intercontinental Championship. It could very well be Priest. I think Priest is ready for that main event level. I know, you know, he went from losing to Bad Bunny to then becoming world champion could be comical, but, you know, Sami Zayn lost to Johnny Knoxville and could have viably become world champion earlier this year, so... You know, I'm fine with it in that case if they build him up properly. He beat Shinsuke on Monday's Raw. Um, I, I think Damien should honestly, what's your prediction? I think he should beat the world champion, whoever that might be at any given time, and win the World Heavyweight Championship because I think he can thrive at that level. No, yeah, I agree. I think, I think, yeah, I mean, I think if he cashed in, he'll win. I don't think he'll lose. I'm more interested, I feel like what's kind of propped him up was being in the Judgment Day and then obviously with the tension and breaking off, I mean... He was doing pretty good before, and then they did, like, the whole, like, split personality thing, and it kind of went down the tubes until he joined Judgment Day. So, yep. I, I, I think it will work. I just, I also feel like he also was propped up with the Judgment Day. So, 
on his own, I'd be more interested to see like how that goes. So I'm assuming if he wins the title, he's kind of breaking off from them. Yeah, do you think he wins the championship before he breaks off from them, or do you think they hold off for a while and have him cash in down the road after he's already gone from Judgment Day? Um, that's a good question. I feel like I'd, I kind of want to flesh it out a little bit more. I just feel like if he cashed in, then we're just going to get him and Balor like, right off the rip, and then I feel like we're kind of getting that now. So I, I guess like you could... I would probably wait, um, but it also depends on, like, is he, I mean, I guess technically he's going to, like, kind of turning babyface, but, like, I don't know. He's going to cash on Rollins or kind of be a Healy thing. So, we'll see. I think I would wait a little bit longer, but, I mean, I could also see it happening pretty soon as well, depending on how how they want to, like, break up the Judgment Day if that's the direction they're going in. You know, I forgot to mention this to you earlier. I, I got to give a shout-out to Alexis here. She was upset that LA Knight did not win this match. I mentioned that to you before we hit record here. One of her reasons for why she didn't like Damian winning, which I forgot to mention to you before, was that she said, well, why would he win the briefcase if he's already contended for the championship recently? I said, well, that was an open challenge. It wasn't like he was in a program for the title. It's not a title that he would normally go for, I said. It was an open challenge. But yet when EO won, which we were all happy with, she didn't have any question about that. She didn't have an open challenge. She contended for the title at Backlash. Remember that? She she earned that opportunity, and she was she was already in the title picture. So yeah, but she didn't lose clean, Priest, then. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't. Know. I just think it's one of those things. <laughs> I understand. No, I get. I understand what you're saying. I also just feel like that was like a one-off for her. Like Priest is in the main event scene. That was kind of more of a one-off for Rhea, and she didn't, or not Rhea, for Eo, and she didn't lose clean. So, I mean, I understand. Like I said, I also understand. It's like, oh, that's bullshit. They won. Blah 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 blah. Someone else, and no one cares. So, like I said, I didn't have a problem with Priest winning. I thought, like I said, I thought it was either him or Knight made the most sense. Um. I mean, Knight was more over, but Priest kind of had more of the storyline significance for it. So, like I said, I had no issues. Listen, I'm going to be as realistic as possible, and we tend to be as realistic as possible here when we talk about this stuff. I'm not going to, if it's something worth praising, we'll praise it. If it's something worth shitting on, we'll shit on it. And I might sound like an idiot for saying this. I think LA Knight will be okay. I'm not saying he will be okay. There's a difference. I'm not promising you. And I would, I would make a promise to you if I know for a fact, all right, this guy's going to be fine. We're overreacting here. I think with LA Knight, my belief is he's so over, and I think they're aware he's over. Otherwise, I don't even think he would be in this match. They really did not have to put him on this show. He's been off of enough shows this year. He was not in a major. I don't think he's had a pay-per-view appearance since the Royal Rumble. He wasn't even at WrestleMania, dude. And he was over then. They didn't care to put him on the show. They could have. They didn't. They didn't put him at Backlash. It wasn't a net of champions. You know, they, they, don't, they didn't give a shit at that point. I think at this point, they realize how over he is. And he's too over to ignore anymore. I'm going to be honest and say I think you'll be okay. Do I think you'll be a world champion? I don't know. Do I think you'll be a mid-card champion? I think he can be, and I think he will be. I think the right... I'm not going to say the right direction, but I, what I thought made the most sense was a Logan Paul program for a couple reasons. One, I think they could work well together in the ring. Two, I think the promos would be awesome. And three, it could benefit um, LA Knight to be in a program with someone as you know buzzworthy as Logan Paul. And Logan's been working with a lot of top talent. That speaks very highly of, of, of LA Knight to be working with someone as you know established as Logan. I think it'd be great for with LA Knight, rather. I think it'd be a big deal. I know he's working with Ricochet. Is Ricochet really going to benefit? No, um, but it should be a fun spectacle. So before we get to the Logan Paul Ricochet thing, talking about LA Knight more for a second, do you think he'll be fine? Or are you one of those people that thinks he's dead and buried and that this was it for him? It was either now or never with LA Knight. I mean, I think if you wanted to take that extreme of now and never, I'd say if you wanted to go that far, I would say probably his World Heavyweight title 
like future, I would say is probably, if I want to be dramatic and say that, I'd probably go in that. I don't think he's done. I think if you're going to go to that extreme, I'd say maybe he's not going to be a main eventer. But I think, I think like you said, he's over. I think he'll be fine. Um, I think middle card, I think, like I said, mid card would kind of be where I'd slot him in. I think him in theory makes a lot of sense for SummerSlam. Um, I mean, I love theory, but his title reign is pretty putrid. So, um, I mean, it makes sense there. I don't, if you're going to go to the extreme that he's done, I would say his world, the title aspirations are probably over if you want to be extreme, but I think mid card wise, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think him in theory makes the most sense. If it's not him and Logan Paul, which it's clear it's not going to be because Ricochet called out Logan Paul for next week. More on that in a second. Um, LA Knight in theory is probably the next best thing. The best thing would have been him becoming Money in the Bank. The next best thing after that would have been a program in Logan Paul. This is probably the third best thing. Um, and I say that if it's a bad thing, it's not. I mean, I think, I think him in theory can have a good program. I think LA Knight as a heel is great, but he's just so over you can't really... You can't push him in that role. I think if he comes out on Friday and he attacks AJ Styles or, you know, Edge, which, again, we'll get to that in a second, I would have been fine with that a couple months ago. I just think he's so over right now. I think it'd be dumb to put him in some... I think Edge would be booed, honestly. LA Knight's so over that I think whoever he faces will be booed, and it might as well be Theory, who just doesn't get a reaction at all. His reign has really become a, a complete and total afterthought. We've talked about it a lot here. We've talked about that a lot here on the show in the last couple of months. Um, he was on the show on Friday in a, a championship contenders match with Ridge Holland. You could hear a pin drop. No one cared. He won with a rolling drop kick for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, that title's got LA Knight's name written all over it. I'm hoping that's where they go with it. There is absolutely something to be said, and we say this all the time, that you got to strike when the iron's hot. Yeah, I agree. You make a good point. I do think his world heavyweight title future is in the uh, is out of the reach for right now just because he's not on Raw and he's not going for the WWE title. He's not facing Roman Reigns. So it might be a long time before we get there. And he might not be as over in six months. We don't know. Um, but I think the U.S. title is the next best thing. If they can continue to feature him and give him wins and put him on the shows, maybe he can maintain that popularity and work his way back up by this time next year. Because like Damian Priest, he was white hot two years ago. They didn't capitalize and he fell right back down the card and now he's Mr. Money in the Bank. So again, anything can happen. The roads in WWE are so weird with how they wind and who they push and who they don't push. And when they capitalize on people a couple of years a couple of years too late, with Damien, he's fine. I think LA Knight's going to be fine, too. And the whole age thing is complete crap. I saw the interviews that Knight was doing talking about, oh, the age thing. They thought it was too old. It's Fucking Damien Priest is two months older than LA Knight is. I mean, give me a break. Um, so I don't think that'll be a problem. But talking about Logan Paul for a second, are you on board with Logan Paul and Ricochet for SummerSlam? Because I feel like that's a fun attraction match for that show. That gives Logan Paul a win that he could probably use right now, having not won a match since SummerSlam of last year when he beat The Miz. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, if you're going with that aspect, like, I don't even think of it like that. If it's like you're just worried about getting him a win and you said it can do something, like, memorable, sure. I like Ricochet. He just, he just doesn't mean much. Like, he never really has, so... I mean, like I said, I guess it's, like, a good thing. Like, they're both high, like, I guess they're, like, doing a little high flyer thing, whatever. Like I said, gets him a win. I mean, he's not going to be, he shouldn't be LA Knight right now. He's, like I said, is white hot and should be winning. So, at that aspect, I get it. But, I mean, I don't know. I just, I like Ricochet. I just feel like he just, no, no one cares about him. And that's, like, kind of, I guess that's my, like, caveat of not liking that match. Because I just feel like, yeah, it's nice for him to get on the show. But I just don't think people care. 
I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be uh, in the minority on this one. I think he's been better booked under Triple H than he was under Vince, and I think they've used him honestly perfectly. He's at a point now where he's never going to be world champion. Would he have ever been a world champion? Probably not, because he just doesn't. He just can't talk. Um, his mic skills just aren't great. He's improved, but they're just not great. That said, though, I mean, his first couple of years on the main roster were terrible. I mean, I know he was U.S. champion for a cup of coffee, but he was barely on Raw after that. He was always losing. Not that he wins every match now, but I mean, he would lose a lot. He'd be on main event most of the time. He was on main event for most of 2020. 2021, I don't, I don't even remember what he was doing then. He won the Intercontinental title. No one gave a shit. They did nothing with him. But then when Triple H took over, he was on the show pretty consistently. He was in that Intercontinental title. Actually, he won two tournaments. He won the Intercontinental Championship tournament and the SmackDown Tag Team title tournament. Lost both title matches, but he had great matches with Gunter and with the Usos. He won the match. Did they win the match in Mania? No, they didn't. Him and Braun had a good little team for as long as it lasted. And he was in Money the Bank. He beat Shinsuke last week. So I actually like how they booked Ricochet as like this uh, attraction wrestler that can go in there and do cool stuff and never really be a main event guy. And then be in there with guys like Logan Paul and put him over. So I'm honestly okay with this. But I got to mention this. We can't talk about the Money the Bank ladder matches and not mention this. And we talk about this all the time with AEW. You got to call a spade a spade here. That Logan Paul spot with Ricochet Money the Bank was beyond fucking dumb. I mean, I assume you would have to agree. I mean, the execution was. I mean, it, I I listened to Logan Paul. He talked about it. I mean, oh okay, I didn't I don't know what really about blame it. him per se. It sounded like he kind of like it was what it was, and he kind of just like had to go with it. But I mean, it's a spot that not, like even like the like people talked about like the Royal Rumble one. Like I just feel like cool and all but i just feel like like i say it all the time people forget tomorrow when everyone's doing fucking wacky and over the top stuff like yeah for the moment okay but like i just feel like especially now wrestling more than ever like the spots spots are just so forgettable because it happens so frequently that like yeah for that moment it would have been cool but then people would have forgot about the next day and the guy almost fucking killed himself i get it but i i like i said i i think it was completely reckless and I, I, I literally will forget in a week. But the problem with me, though, is with the spot, I agree with everything you just said. I just don't think it was necessary in the sense that, like, it, there was such a massive margin for error. And you could see that with any spot in any of these companies. But especially with a guy with Logan Paul that's not trained as well as someone like Ricochet. You can put the blame on whoever. You can put the blame on both of them. You can put the blame on the producer, whoever. I just thought it was such a dumb spot because it's just not necessary. I know they're trying to do something cool. Does it add to the match? Maybe a little bit, but is it worth the risk? The answer is no. If Logan Paul gets hurt or gets seriously injured, then, first of all, he could have fucking died, like you said. I'm not even exaggerating. I mean, it could have ended a lot worse than it did. I just thought it was such a dumb spot because it's like you have to execute it so perfectly. Like, I commend them for doing it anyway, but it should have never even been attempted. I think that's my point here. No, I agree. I think, like I said, I thought, I mean... It, the margin for error on what they did was so small that, like, I just feel like it going off smoothly was very, not even if impossible, but I just feel like where their legs were, like, they're trying to do a flip. Yeah. And, I mean, we saw Sting flying through the air, missing a fucking table, and I was fucking snapped <laughs> himself in half, though. I mean, and I just, like I said, on a spot that no one will remember in a week, and the guy could have fucking crippled himself. I don't know, I just, I don't know if I blame the producers, people that are in it, I just... The more and more you see it, like I said, if if it wasn't the way it is now, it's like the whole McFoley, like that stuff was big because no one did that shit back then. Like no one and no one really has done it since. I mean, 
to the stuff they do now, it's so me- non-memorable because it happens every week mm-hmm. on fucking free TV, let alone on a fucking paper, you know? Yeah, I mean, listen, if it was Ricochet and, like, Ray Phoenix or something, and I have more faith that they could probably pull it off, then okay, cool. But, like, it's Logan Paul, who I think is great, but I don't think he's capable of, like, there's so many moving parts there because they fell off a ladder to begin with. It's not like they just did the spot off the top rope. You got to remember, they had to land perfectly on the top rope, which they didn't, and that's where it fucked up. And then he's got to catch him in a C4. It's like, come on. It's like, this is such... A difficult move to pull off. And again, to give them credit, they did it as well as they could. I just don't think they should have even been in that spot in the first place. I assume it was their idea. But I just don't think it's worth it. I know you could say, oh, it's their choice. It's their body or whatever. They can make the choice to do it if they want to because they're the ones putting themselves at risk. I mean, I guess, but just as a fan, I just... It doesn't... Because it... At the end of the day, what they're doing is for us. They're trying to entertain us. Not me and you specifically, just the audience. If I mean, if, if I find it cool... Then okay, but if it's like if it's gonna change the world, then great, it might be worth it. But it's not, like you said, it's something that people, whether you connect with it or not, is not going to be remembered a week from now. As cool as the attempt was, and I just think if you die, then that's something we definitely will remember for the wrong reasons, or get seriously hurt, or cripple yourself, or whatever. So, and we've seen that shit before. We've seen a lot of people get hurt off of dumb moves. I mean, look at the Dante Martin thing, dude. The Dante Martin thing from Supercard of Honor. Fun match. Was it worth it? No, the guy got hurt again. He's been gone ever since. I mean, that was so stupid. You know what I mean? No, I know. I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand. Yeah, I don't know. We just see it all too often, and typically sometimes in AEW more than WWE, but we see it in WWE from time and time again and, and with stuff like this, and it's just it's just not worth it. Um, but yeah, so we talked a lot about the, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Let's talk about the women's. EO Sky becoming Miss Money in the Bank. Who we wanted to win did indeed win. She was the only logical choice. I like Zoe. Might have been a little too soon. Um, Trish, no. Becky Bailey, no. And Zelina, no. So she was really the best choice out of them all. And she did win, teasing that she might cash in on uh, Rhea and Monday's Raw. So what I didn't understand, though, and maybe you can shine some light on this and explain this for me. We'll talk about the Sheena Ronda thing later and how little sense that made. During this match, unless she did not see it, and I assume she did based on what happened later on. Bailey turned on Eo. She flipped the ladder over when Eo was about to climb the ladder. She was going to climb the ladder and become Miss Money the Bank, and Bailey turned it over. So I'm thinking maybe Eo didn't see it, and that's why she didn't confront her or whatever. But she must have seen it because she locked up Bailey on the ladder with Becky, and then she won. So it's like, okay, she gave her her payback, and now they're no longer friends, and she turned on her. But then they walk out together, showing no signs of tension whatsoever on on the press conference. Bailey and Eo both calling themselves the collective Miss Money in the Bank. Did I miss something here? I mean, I'm happy with the outcome, but I just feel like I missed the development here that I may have, should have been paying attention to. Um, I mean, I feel like they were saying, like, they were like, oh, Eo didn't know that Bailey was going to push her over. Like I said, I mean, I guess... She saw the opportunity, took it. I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess she did. I mean, it's at the end of the day, I guess it is everyone for themselves. So I guess, like, you could say, like, yeah, she did. I don't even know if you say turn, but, like, she did handcuff Becky and Bailey together, and she won. I mean, but, like, is that the point of the match? I don't know. Like, there wasn't really a split turn. Like, they were like, oh, like, Bailey didn't even know it was EO on their ladder. It was like, uh, it was like a, she just saw someone. Like, that's what they, the commentary was trying to, like, preclude it as. Like, oh, she didn't even know who it was. It was just, like, out of instinct. And, like, EO didn't see her. But, like you said, like, I guess she did, I mean, didn't screw. I mean, she won the match. Like I said, it's not like she, like, hit her in the head with a chair. She just locked her hands with Bailey or Becky and won. So, I don't know. It's kind of weird. 
but like the way that the commentary tried to describe it was more like of a uh, like an accident than anything else. Yeah, I mean, if if the idea is, I mean, Bailey did it pretty purposefully. I think if you watch back the footage, you could see that. Instincts, instincts, GSM. She didn't know it was EO. Oh, maybe we'll get an explanation on SmackDown. They didn't really explain it during the press conference. I didn't really expect them to have any major storyline stuff there anyway, but I just thought that was weird. I mean, I guess if we had to fill in the blanks, maybe, again, like you said, maybe Michael Cole said something I missed personally. I, I don't know. But listen, EO Sky won, so you got to be happy with that, right? No, I thought EO was the right choice. I mean, I think she was one of the only people that made sense, so her winning was, I thought it was great. I mean, I popped huge. When do you think she cashes in? Again, same question like with Damien. Do you think it's soon? Do you think it's kind of caught up in the controversy of the whole Asuka, Bianca, Charlotte stuff, who I assume that's headed for a triple threat at SummerSlam. i got to assume that's where it's going. Do you think that smoke clears, then EO cashes in right after? Or do you think they could hold off on her cashing in for a little while, maybe in a couple months or something? Yeah, I would hold it off. I would like with Priest, I'd hold off. I mean, the fact that she's already the second longest women's money in the bank because she held it over a day. Out of like six or seven of them, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's crazy, let alone, but, uh, no, I, I mean, I think I'd wait. I Like I said, I feel like people want the instant gratification, like, oh, I want her cash in. I feel like you could do her and Bailey now, or, like, eventually get that match. I would wait a little bit longer. I just feel like, like I said, the SmackDown title does kind of have a little loophole. I mean, I get, they never really said, I guess, she could technically cash on Rhea. I mean, Rhea has no challengers. I mean, she'd probably just get a match with Rhea anyway. I mean, she's facing Natalia every week, so... Yeah. I mean, why can't you just get a title shot? But I guess she's not on Raw. But, I mean, I would just have her face Bailey first, kind of flesh it out, have the triple threat, kind of see where that goes, and then maybe down the line. I, I, I like, I understand the instant cash-in, but for, I just I feel like it, it's nice when they kind of hold on to it a little bit longer. And I think you can afford to, too, because they're kind of similar stories in the sense that they're both a part of factions they're about to break away from. Yeah, it's kind of similar in that sense. But at the same time, one's on Raw, one's on SmackDown. They're not on the same show. I know WWE, for the longest time, wanted the women to cash in so they didn't have two people with briefcases. It's like, okay, then, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you, you do a men's and a women's, it's just what it is. You don't have to have someone cash in right away, and why does it always have to be the women? Um, I agree. They've had seven Miss Money in the Bank, dating back to 2017. Six of them, five of them, have cashed in within the first 24 hours, which is just pathetic. I mean, I know it's like, oh, that's cool and all, but it's it kind of wears out its welcome after a while. Like, Liv, I feel like we should have... We felt she should have waited, and same thing with Nikki Cross, Nikki Ash, whatever. Um, Nikki ASH, buddy, yeah. watch your lip. Terrible. I'm the fan club over here, buddy. <laughs> You're trying to slip by over here, Nikki Cross. The hell out of that um, Yeah, I think I think she should hold off. She should cash in successfully on Asuka. Um, that feels like a Mania match, but I'm sure WWE will, WWE will do it before then. That's fine. I do like the idea of her feuding with Bailey before then, though. That That's a nice little secondary story for that division on SmackDown for them to kind of, you know, also latch on to. So I love it. I, I love EOS guy winning the briefcase. She deserved it. She's an amazing talent. Finally, it's, it's, it's about time to, uh, it's awesome to see her spotlighted as a single star. She deserves to be because she's awesome. Uh, talking about women's stories. We didn't have any women's championship matches on the show, like Raw or women. I mean, sorry, world women's world or WWE women's. I got to get used to that. But we did have a world tag team title match from the women. Uh, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez beating Ronda, uh, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler for the belt. That wasn't the story, though. If anything, that was the afterthought. The real story of the match, Shayna Baszler, midway through the match, turning on Ronda Rousey. I mean, I would say no explanation. We got the explanation from Shayna. There was no notice. And people are going to say, why does there always have to be notice? Why does it always have to be predictable? 
I agree. It was unpredictable. It was a great swerve. The problem was that it made no fucking sense. And her reason for turning on Ronda, she explained on Raw. Great. She always felt like she was in her shadow. That makes sense. I don't have an issue with that. My issue with this is, why did she do it when she did it? The two W's there. Why did you do it when you did it? Because she was already champions with her, and she did it during the match. You would think, if I told you right now that she turned on her on the show where they lost the belts, you would logically think that she would have turned on her after the match. That would have made sense. And honestly, people still would have popped if you're thinking, oh, that wouldn't have been as shocking. Um, yeah, it would have, because no one was expecting them to split up. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. Why would you wrestle the match and then turn on her halfway through when there were no signs, zero signs of dissension? I just thought that was incredibly fucking dumb. That came out of nowhere. And the explanation in Raw didn't really make it that much better. That being said, though, um, I thought it was cool because I the tag team I've actually, you know, it's funny because I've said for weeks now, I think Ron and Shayna should be the ones to elevate the division. What an idiot I am now. I still got egg on my face from that shit. Um, I don't think the division's in any better of a place with Liv and Raquel as champions again. They're a good team. But as seen during that gauntlet match on Raw, the tag team turmoil match, this company does not give a fuck about that division. I mean, it just it's, it's just obvious. I'm sorry, it is. Um, Shayna can benefit from being paired with Ronda for now. If anyone thinks that Shayna might be team or pushed after this team feud, whatever is over, um, you're kidding yourselves. But you know that, that that's something where I can probably tell you I'm not optimistic about that. The LA Knight stuff I'm optimistic about. LA Knight is over because people like LA Knight. I think for this feud, people are only cheering for Ronda, or rather for Shayna, because they don't give a fuck about Ronda. Or they don't like Ronda. When Ronda's gone, Shayna might not get to that same reaction. I don't know if they want to push her as a babyface. I'm not exactly sure. So just give me your breakdown here of uh, Shayna turning on Ron and what your thoughts on it were. I mean, it legit made no sense. Like I said, I, I understand. If, if after they lost and she turned and then gave the reasoning on Raw, okay, I get that. But there's been zero tension. Out of nowhere, middle of the match, she starts choking out fucking Ronda for no fucking reason. And like you said, people are like, oh, well, it wasn't as predictable. Okay, it made no fucking sense. It legit made no fucking sense. And and in stuff like that, like you said, people are like, oh, well, it's not predictable. Yeah, but it's not like they teased any tension before. It's not like Ronda was, like, being a bitch to her and was like, you're my lackey. Like, they were, like, pretty much equal, but felt like middle of the match. They were just in the dogfight of the match. Like, it was like... Like, she, like, accidentally hit Shayna, and Shayna was pissed. Like, nothing happened. And then out of nowhere, she just puts her in a chokehold. Everyone's as shocked as Liv is sitting there. And then they lose the belts. I don't know. Like, but I, I get the reasoning on Raw, but when there's zero tension or anything to get to that point, it just made completely no sense. Yeah, no, I just wish they would have flushed it out a little bit better. And I, I saw the reports that, um, you know, they wanted to do this. This was always the plan for Meltzer. And, again, take that with a grain of salt, but... He had said this was always the plan for them to team and for Shayna to turn on her. The way they went about it was awful. And I know, I guess, Ronda getting hurt delayed some things. They were going to win the belts a lot sooner, which makes sense. That seemed like that was the case. They won the match at WrestleMania. They won that tag team match at Mania. They probably were going to be the ones to take the belts off of uh, Becky and Lita a couple months ago. But then they had to improvise because Ronda's wrist was hurt, so they couldn't do that after Mania. So I, I guess. Um... So they had to kind of improvise. They put the belt, and then Liv got hurt. It, it was a whole fucking mess. The division's cursed. Um, I'm fine with the feud, but my question is this: with Ronda Rousey reportedly leaving, and she apparently wants to put over Shayna on her way out. I think that's great. That's admirable. What are your thoughts? What have your thoughts been on the Ronda Rousey run? We've talked a lot about it already. I've already had clips on it on, on the channel, so we don't have to go too much in detail, but. 
I mean, I feel like this is probably the best use of Ronda on her way out. I, I can't say her leaving is that great of a loss because it's not like she's... Not that she's been an afterthought because she has done some stuff since coming back, but I just don't think anything has been meaningful enough to really make it make an impact. Which is funny because I felt like the women's division was at its peak when she was around five years ago. That was when the women's division was at one point at its best. And then when she left, they never really got that same attention. Since she's been back, she's just this run has just been a complete... Uh, very underwhelming. It's been one disappointment after another. Yeah, I think the Ronda Rousey experience part two has kind of just been there. I I don't know. I'm trying to think how to word this correctly. I don't think it like her book. It's not her booking. I think it was just like everything it was kind of like her first one was like okay, but then she like went on like a tirade like shooting on wrestling fans, and the people from there just hated her. And then like her booking was like whatever. He had, like, those decent matches with Charlotte. You're like, okay. But then everything since then was kind of, like, forgettable. I mean, she got hurt or... I don't even Like, she, I remember she beat Charlotte or whatever. Then she, like, took the belt off Liv after Liv, like, got her moment. And then, honestly, since then, I couldn't even tell you what else she did the rest of last year. But, I don't know. I feel like just... I don't know if it's just, like, her immediately shitting on wrestling fans and they just turned on her and then... Like, she didn't really have any memorable matches. I don't know. It just kind of, like, was a flop, I would say. Yeah, you know, part of it, too. I mean, I, w- I would say part of it is the booking. I mean, I think it's a combination of everything. I feel like she's regressed in the ring, which is why I like the Sheena team, because I thought they worked so well together. They had a, I, I thought the Alba Fire-Isla Dawn match was actually pretty good. And just, you know, that, that was that was quickly shut down after they lost the titles, obviously. It doesn't even matter now. But, like, she didn't have any really good matches like the Charlotte match at Survivor Series five years ago was great they had a rematch at Mania and it was not good they did not have a good match at Mania last year and then Charlotte won and then she won in the subsequent pay-per-view it's like you couldn't have just had her win when it actually mattered as opposed to dragging it out unnecessarily um, and she won it when we were there okay then we finally get going with Ronda as a babyface when she probably should have come back as a heel like you said but that just wasn't in the cards Charlotte was a heel so you couldn't do that um, but she won the belt, and then she lost it within, like, two months to Liv Morgan in, like, very anticlimactic fashion by having Liv cash in, like, immediately instead of waiting. And then she got the belt back from Liv, and then Ronda was getting cheered over Liv. The booking was not good, I would say. Um, the promos were terrible. The in-ring matches were not great either, so it's just been one thing after another, and um, it, it's a bummer, so it looks like she's on her way out. And I can't say I'm super sad to see her go just because it's not like her being around is really added to the division at the time that she's been back. It's not like I could say, oh, she's had great matches with this person or she's really elevated that person or whatever. I mean, Liv actually was worse off after working with Ronda, believe it or not. I know I know, Liv beat her again at the pay-per-view, but she was actually less over than she was pre-Ronda feud. And I'm not saying that's Ronda's fault, but the way they've used her has been terrible. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Sheena getting the win over her at SummerSlam is a no-brainer. Do you think, which I go back to what I said earlier, do you think Shayna benefits from this at all, or do you think it's right back to what she was doing before? I think it's the latter, unfortunately. I just, I mean, it's tough. I, I honestly feel like, like you said, I feel like it'll be nice for Shayna in the interim, but I don't think <laughs> this is going anywhere for her. I like Ronda doing the favor, but I just, it's not like she's like white hot or anything. It's just, it, I feel like, it, like, it, like the reports, if she's gone, I feel like just like putting over Shayna, but I don't see it helping Shayna in the end. Uh, no, I just, I, I don't. I think this is, uh, 
I don't know. I just I think Shannon getting the win would be great. I, I really like the promo on Monday. The explanation wasn't exactly fleshed out, but she got a good reaction, and that's because Ronda has heat, and that's great. I just don't have faith they're going to use her properly after this is over. I mean, in the perfect world, I think her feuding with Rhea, I mean, I would keep her baby face. I don't know why you would give her a big win over a big heel and then keep her heel. I know she's a natural heel, but they also haven't tried with her as a baby face yet. It's like a dominant, badass baby face. I mean, honestly, at this point, why the fuck not? I mean, this division, they have a lot of talented women. They could use more stories and stuff. And listen, honestly, Ronda leaving could open up more spots for someone like a... Again, I'm, I'm a fool for even attempting Don't to... Don't say it. Don't say it. For someone like a Candice or a Tegan or someone <laughs> like that. I know. I, I deserve that one. Um, I would Ideally, I would be right. I'm sure realistically I'm wrong. I have to mention that though, because you know, I, I I want to see them get spotlighted. But what we got on Monday was just was just terrible. I mean that that tag team turmoil match. You would think, oh, you know, they've really they're really trying to put some effort into that division. Uh, they're not going to. But to, to close off the Shayna Rhea thing, we'll get to the tag team turmoil thing in a second. Shayna Shayna beating or facing Rhea would be great. Honestly, Rhea. There's not one person on Raw that I'd look at saying, you know, this would be a great person to beat Rhea. And yeah, Becky is like her ultimate opponent that they can build to. I don't really want Becky being the one to take the title from her. I think Becky, she hasn't been champion in a year and a half, so you could say, okay, that'd be cool. I mean, it would be fine. It's been long enough. Okay, I get it, but I don't know. Becky's been champion enough where I'm kind of ready for something new. Shayna's never been a champion on her own on the main roster. So that's why I say that. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be nice to, to... in a fantasy land to think that they could use Shayna properly beyond the Ronda feud, take that momentum <clears throat> into a program with Shayna, or rather with uh, Rhea, in time for the fall and have them feud and rekindle that rivalry from the NXT days. But like I said, that might be purely pie-in-the-sky fantasy booking. But going on to the tag team turmoil stuff, um, listen, I think a lot of the women in that match were are very talented, but <clears throat> they did the women in that match Zero favors. I mean, we had the debut of the way essentially in that match with Candice and in, in, I think it was Indy's first match on Raw. We, she gets drafted. She's in like two backstage segments. I think she was hurt, so I'm not gonna say like, oh, she's she's been healthy and they haven't used her. I, I think Indy's been hurt this whole time. She might still be hurt, so I'm not gonna completely shit on the company for this. But my thing for this though is that this was her debut match, and they gave her no mic time, no promo, no video package. She's just a random woman out there who just so happened to be the NXT Women's Champion a month or two ago. I don't even know. Did she even tag <clears throat> Did she even tag into the match? I mean, I think she was just in the match, and then Candice got beat, and that was it. They lost in like a minute or two. And again, if she's still hurt, and you're thinking, okay, that she didn't get physical, but at least she was in there, then don't even have her out there. I mean, Nikki and Emma being a team? Like, what the fuck is this? Tegan and, and Dana Brooke? I mean... Yeah, they got all the women on the show, but at what cost? No one gave a shit. Like, Sonya and Chelsea running through the entire division. What does that even mean? First of all, there's no division. Second of all, we've been basically told in the last six months, when Sonya and Chelsea have yet to win a single match on television, maybe one in the last six months, that they're a non-threat. So, okay, they win four matches here in one, and all of a sudden they're a threat. Give me a break. I don't know, man. I just thought this whole thing was super lazy, and I wasn't a fan of what they did here. No, it wasn't the greatest. Like you said, I, I actually like the team of Deville and, and Green, but I just I feel do like too, they, yeah. they, they've been booked like losers. They've lost it every round. They've had title shots. They lose every time. I really like Carter and and Chance, but like they lost here again. I mean, I feel like they're clearly the most polished tag team in quotations. I mean, 
they've definitely they've teamed for a long time and you can definitely tell by their in-ring work and the way they work together i feel like their stuff's like pretty flawless and like their tag team moves look good but they i mean they lose again here i mean i like green and deville i don't think they're beating shane uh beating raquel and Rhea, uh live so i i guess but like it, it, the division's just kind of at a standstill because i feel like Liv and Raquel had the belts. They lose in the Shayna and Ronda. They beat everyone else. They beat uh, Fire and uh, what, uh, Isla Dawn. And then they just get the belts right back. And then now what? Like, they're just going to face the teams that they've already beaten before. So, I don't know. I like Green and DeVille, but like I said, they're just kind of an after for that. So, I just, I mean, at this point, I don't overly care. I just think that they're also the wrong team to do this with. I mean, the way they did this, they want to make you think that they're threats. The problem is that they're not. And I feel like it came at the expense. It did more to harm the other teams in this match, or teams, I say in quotes, than it did to benefit them. Because they're not going to win. They already did this match a couple of months ago, and no one cared. And, and Liv and Raquel won, so no surprise there. I just feel like it makes Chance and Carter look weak, too. I mean, they faced Sonya and Chelsea in, what, their fourth match? And they still lost? I mean, you couldn't have had them made made them look more competitive. And it was a fun little match, but it's like... Let's be honest here. Could you? I'm not saying do the exact same thing as Pretty Deadly. But, like, what they did on SmackDown with their tag team turmoil last month was that I think the Brawling Brutes won, like, four or five matches, and then Pretty Deadly swooped in and won the last one. That makes sense. Could they not have had Chance and Carter beat, like, Tegan Knox and Dana Brooke or something and then lose to Chelsea and Sonya right after that? I mean, having them in there for, for two minutes, I just thought that was silly. Didn't Chance and Carter beat them in, like, a minute, like, a couple weeks ago in a Am I thinking exactly. of Exactly. Yes, they did. Yes, they fucking did. They beat them in maybe two minutes. So, so <laughs> exactly. So then let me, let me ask you this. Who gets over? I'll tell you, nobody. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. They beat him in two seconds, and then two weeks later, they lose them in a fucking tag deterrent match clean as a sheet. I mean, do they plan the stuff? I mean, what are we doing here? I don't know. I, I mean, I like Carter and Chance, and I, I mean, I... I, I like all these women. Like, I like all these women. They just don't know what to do. Exactly. Out of every team they have, they're the best ones. Like, I like Raquel and Liv on their own as a team. I'm like, I guess. I mean, I just feel like they have better things to do than as a team. It's just like, Dude. I feel like they could be doing so much more of them as a team. Like, they're not. I listen. I don't know. I, I Every time I put any thought in this division, I have a fucking headache just thinking about it because I feel like they keep pushing teams that should just be singles and then we get. Raquel and Liv as a tag team again. I, I, I listen. I don't think they put. And this is pretty clear. They don't put any thought into this division at all. I mean, that no shit. I know the sky is blue. But then why would you? Again, it goes back to the Shane Ronda thing. Why do they sacrifice Isla Dawn and Alba Fire to Ronda, Ronda and Shane? They were just going to lose the unified women's tag titles two weeks later. That is ridiculous. And it does the women on NXT from NXT no favors. I mean, they could have just honestly they could have put the belts on Isla and, and Dawn. And have them and do the split there. Why do they have to do it on pay-per-view? I mean, they could have become tag team champions. And there's far more babyface teams than there are heel teams. You could have had Chance and Carter challenge Dawn and Fire, which is an NXT feud, I know. But you could have run that back with the main roster women's tag team titles. Or put The Way in there. Or, or whatever it might have been. Um, I just don't... I just think that's so silly. Because the worst part about this is that they have Chelsea and, and Sonya challenging for the tag titles again. And they're not going to win. But you also have the tag titles on two singles women that are now chasing the Raw Women's Championship, apparently. They both went after um, Rhea after a match with Natalya on Monday. So now Raquel's going to face Rhea at SummerSlam? Yeah, she should. The problem is that why is she one half of the tag team champions? 
That completely defeats the purpose of them becoming a tag team. They're just going to focus on the singles title. I know, I listen, I talked to Shane a couple weeks ago, and she said, oh, there's this myth that if you're a tag team, you can't go with a singles title. I agree with that. But the problem is that this division doesn't give a fuck about the tag. That This company doesn't give a fuck about this division. So they're just going to focus on Ra Raquel and Rhea and not so much on her and Liv as a tag team. It's just silly. No, I completely agree. I mean, I guess they made me... <laughs> I mean, technically, I guess they could lose the belts to... To Shane, uh, Sonya, and and Chelsea, but I mean, what's the point of putting it back on them? Like I said, I feel like the whole Ronda Shane thing is like Roman Reigns 2.0. It's like you didn't need them to win the belts and then drop them to do this. Like they could have lost the Dawn and Fire, like you said. Then we could have got the split, or at least some tension or something, just to have them lose the belts to Ra Raquel and Liv, who are two single stars that they need on Raw. Raw's not like screaming for talent. I mean, like I said, we're getting the tally every three weeks for Christ's sake mm -hmm. against Rhea. So. I would have just kept the belts on fire and gone and, and then done the split there. Because what happened at Money in the Bank made no fucking sense. No, it made no sense. This, this, They really got to fix this women's division. And the problem is they have the talents. They, I know you said Natalia is on the show every week. They have the talent. They just choose not to use it. Um, that's the problem. And the, the way they've gone about the booking has been terrible. I don't blame the women at all. It's just entirely the booking has been... It's been an embarrassment. They got to fix that going forward. Um, last couple things here. Two quick things on the real big story here. Uh, Drew McIntyre returning, and uh, after Gunther beat Matt Riddle to retain the Intercontinental Championship, good match. McIntyre is back for the first time since Mania. Uh, in almost three months exactly, he was gone. He's back, laying out Gunther, probably the SummerSlam match. Is this it for Gunther as Intercontinental Champion? You think Drew McIntyre ends the reign before he can break the record? Uh, you know, I think he breaks the record in early September, but I think my money's on Drew being the one to end the reign before then come SummerSlam. I mean, I was shocked when Drew came back. I don't know. I feel like maybe I was thinking Randy. Um, but we got Drew here, which is good. I, I mean, I feel like with Gunther, I feel like I mean, I mean, feel like Drew's a suitable person to beat him. But if he's already that close to the record, I feel like you just keep it going at that I point. I agree, right? yeah. That's what I would do. I mean, um, yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I like Drew a lot. I mean, I would keep the belt on Gunther, too. I mean, I, like I said, I feel like at least Drew has a credibility or has like the cachet to beat him so i'm not like against it and drew really has obviously he's been gone for a while but i i would just keep it on gunther and have him have him beat beat drew and beat the record at this point i mean my whole thing was a couple months ago if shamey sank and went into wrestlemania then you have him break the record and i didn't really give a shit about him breaking the record he wasn't that i mean he was close but he wasn't that close i mean he wasn't even holding the championship for a year at that point it's not like roman reigns has been champion for four years he's a day away from breaking hulk hogan's record and they have him lose like that'd be ridiculous but Gunter could have lost it, and it would have been fine. They didn't do that. He won at WrestleMania. So I'm thinking, okay, if they have him beat Sheamus, and Sheamus should have been the one to take the title from him, in my opinion, then you have him beat the record. But I don't know if they're going to do that now. I'm a little less I'm a little less optimistic. So I guess we'll see. Um, but I'm looking forward to the match, though. It'll be a first-ever singles match at SummerSlam, and it should be good. Cody Rhodes beating Dominic in what was essentially a Raw match, Dominic Mysterio. Um <laughs> It was well-wrestled, but I'm just thinking, why was this even on the show? I know to get Cody in front of the London crowd, keep him busy. It, it made for a great crowd dynamic, but nothing really happened. It ended so abruptly and so anticlimactically, and then the right guy won. Realistically, Dominic should not be beating Cody. But I'm just thinking, I, I really just don't know what purpose this served. I guess they didn't want Cody and Money in the Bank because they didn't want him getting booed over, like, L.A. Knight or whoever, I guess, if he wasn't going to win. I, I don't know. I just thought this was uh, just kind of there. Probably the, one of the weakest matches on the entire show. Probably the weakest match, probably. I mean, this probably had the best crowd dynamic of booing and cheering. Yeah. I mean, I guess that you can go there, but the match itself was pretty cookie-cutter. Like you said, pretty much a raw match. 
I mean, Mommy got involved a little bit, but at the end of the day, Cody beat him pretty decisively. Clean as a sheet. One, two, three, and we moved on. So, I mean, I think we, we both thought Dominic would win with some Brock interference when he got to the next night, or Brock popped up the next night, but... I don't know. I feel like it didn't help Dominic at all. It didn't really do Cody too much. I mean, I guess it's a pay-per-view win, but like I said, it was basically a cookie-cutter, generic babyface heel match on Raw. So, um, I mean, like I said, I guess it's nice Cody got a win on pay-per-view, but, I mean, I guess Dom's not going for the belt anytime soon. Yeah, and I'm not complaining. I don't think Dom should be winning the world title, but I just thought that was the direction they were going with them facing Rollins at SummerSlam, but apparently not. I mean, Rollins beat Balor to retain the championship. Uh, we already kind of talked about the Judgment Day stuff earlier, but where do you think they go from here? I've seen rumors they could be doing you know, Rollins and Balor again. Listen, I know Balor lost because Damian like, distracted him or whatever, but like I just I don't think... Balor's a loser. I love Balor. He's great. But we're talking like statistically here, he's a fucking loser. He lost to Rollins in the main event, or the uh, finals, or semifinals, excuse me, of the World Heavyweight Title Tournament. He's lost to Cody Rhodes and Raw a bunch. He lost to Edge of WrestleMania. He lost to Rollins here. Like, the guy's not a threat. Let's move on from Balor in the World Heavyweight Title picture. The guy is great. It's someone else's time. Dominic's not, I mean, he's not even remotely ready for a world title like Balor is, but he's more just over and relevant than Balor is at this point. I don't want to see Balor back in the title picture. That looks like exactly where we're headed, though, with a triple threat or just Balor and Rollins again at SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I mean, it's sad, but honestly, I think at this point I'd rather see Dominic versus Rollins. I just feel like I said... I mean, Balor doesn't even have a bitch. He literally lost clean as fuck, and... I understand they're trying to push him. Like I said, I think you like Balor a little bit more than me, but, like, I get it. Like, they made him a little bit more aggressive, fine, kind of prop him up a little bit. Then he lost. He lost clean, decisively. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I guess Priest might have distracted him a little bit, whatever, but I just don't think they need to run back again. And I I like Balor a little bit. At this point, no. Like, give me something different. I think I'd rather see him Dominic and Seth, even after Seth. Dominic loss. I mean, it's something new. I just don't think Balor should, should. I don't think he will beat Rollins. I don't think he should beat Rollins. And he's just like you said. It just he's just a loser, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I just I just don't really get it. Just because I think he's endured enough losses where the damage is done. I just can't take the guy seriously. Listen, get a clue. Look at the match. I mean, just take a, take some notes here. Watching this match, the crowd for as hot as they were all show were sitting on their hands for this match. It was a really good, well wrestled match. But the crowd did not really care until Damien came out and he teased the cash in. Because it was so obvious Balor was winning and they tried as hard as they could to make you think he was a threat and I applaud their effort, but it just didn't work. And he's not on that level right now. He's just not. And they haven't built him up enough. And I, I just love the idea that Edge beat him at Mania. We haven't seen Edge since. Um, one quick last note on that before we get to the main event here. Edge coming back on SmackDown, MSG on Friday. Big show. Um, any ideas on who Edge's next program could be? I mean, if you look at the SmackDown roster, LA Knight's a practically babyface, so I would have loved that idea a couple months ago, but I probably wouldn't do that, because LA Knight's a, I mean, he should be a face, so probably not. Carrying Cross, I mean, he's facing AJ, I just, I don't, I just don't think people would care about that. Uh, Theory, next. Um, I honestly would pair him with Grayson Waller. I know you're not a big Grayson Waller guy, but he's going to be in the Grayson Waller effect, and I think that'd be a nice little rub for Grayson Waller, get his first match in the ring at SummerSlam. I think that'd be pretty cool, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could do that. I mean, I don't see anyone else. Like I said, uh, Knight at this point is basically a babyface, so I wouldn't do that. Um, I mean, there really isn't anyone else that's popping out to me. I mean, Waller makes sense. 
don't know if you really want him losing right to edge, but I guess he's not really at that level anyway, so it wouldn't really hurt him anyway. But, I mean, I guess that's the direction you can go, and I, I don't really love it, but, I mean, something. Hey, maybe he beats Edge. Is that comical, or do you think that's possible? Yeah, I think that's comical. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think Edge, he's won a majority of his matches in the company since coming back. I think he can afford a loss. Uh, that's just me, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens on Friday SmackDown. We head into the main event of the show while uh, the Usos beating the Bloodlines, Roman Reigns, and Solo Sokoa. Kind of a slow-paced match early on, typical Roman Reigns-like showcase, and nothing really out of the ordinary until they pick up the pace, and the attention to detail was great. I love the tweet you sent me with the... Uh, I, I I know that Roman used to do the arm kickout where he would low-blow his opponents with the kickout. I knew he did it to Braun once, and I think that's how we beat Drew a couple years ago at Survivor Series. I did not remember him doing it on Jay at Clash of the Castle, or Clash of the Champions, rather. Different Clash. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Um, but a really good main event here. Jay Uso becomes the first person to pin Roman Reigns in three and a half years. Amazing moment. Didn't know if they would actually do it, and they did. Uh, very likely setting up Roman and Jay for SummerSlam. So I, I, I know you were loving this. Dude, I think I like lost like three years of my life watching <laughs> this match. Like you said, the beginning, extremely slow, like cl- classic Roman. The last like 15 minutes, I legit was on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. Like, when he fucking hit them with the spike and the spear and stacked them, I literally, my heart, like, sank. I'm like, are we really about to get this fucking, is he really going to just stack them up? One, two, three. I get the, the fucking note from GSM on his phone, like, Roman wins LOL. I just, I honestly would have probably just ended it at that point. Like, I was so invested in the Usos winning, so when they fucking hit the super kick and Jay hit him with the splash, one, two, three, I literally jumped out of my seat. I was so fucking excited. Um... I just, it, it was it was what needed to happen. I mean, we're going to go to SummerSlam. I have my Jey Uso shirt on. He'll lose the one, two, three, clean as a sheet, and we'll move on. But, I mean, for the moment itself, I fucking went crazy. Yeah, no, it was a great moment. Um, and that that's the big question. Dude. We talked about it coming into the show. Do you risk having Roman get beat, which is what I thought would happen? Was there a chance that Roman could win and they still do Roman and Jay at SummerSlam? Absolutely. I mean, I honestly kind of figured that was a pretty strong possibility. We, we talked about that. They did the right thing, though. If you want to do Roman and Jay at SummerSlam, that's how you do it. The problem then it turns into is that Jay is... This makes it even more obvious he's not winning because there's no chance he beats Roman two pay-per-views in a row. Roman lost at the last pay-per-view, too. He didn't get pinned, but he lost. So he's not winning. And he never was going to, but I think there were some people that thought he might. Yeah, well, get a grip. He's not going to. But that being said, um, I think the way they set it up was fine. And again, I was skeptical, and I, my mindset has not changed. I would have saved that for when Roman finally lost the belt. But listen, you gotta give Jay something. He's been taking this shit from Roman for years now. To not give him anything, to never have him give Roman his comeuppance. I don't want Jay as champion. I made that quite clear. But I think giving him his moment in the, first, in the form of his first loss... Not singles loss, but first pinfall loss, I think is pretty cool. I think it's it's a happy medium because, again, he pins Roman finally, but he doesn't take the belt from him. So I, I, I kind of like what they did here, personally. I mean, would I have done that ideally? No. Will it mean a little less when Cody or whoever beats Roman down the road? Yes. But I don't think it was that egregious to where it was the wrong call. I mean, I, I went nuts. I mean, I don't think it's <laughs> I don't. I'm also just a big J Mark as it is, so I mean I went crazy. I don't think I don't think Jay will win. Like you said, I I mean, I think this is like basically like 
the best case scenario and him beating Roman here. I mean, I think for a guy like him, finally got his comeuppance on Roman, he can say he pinned Roman. Like, he's the first one to pin Roman in three, almost four years at this point. So, like, I, I get that. And like I said, I think it's a good consolation of not beating Roman. So, I, I mean, I don't have an issue with it. I said before I wanted Jay to win. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I think him beating Roman here is basically what the story needed because, like, he finally got his comeuppance on Roman for treating him like shit for three years. So I loved it. I, like I said, I, I don't think he'll beat Roman. I will have my Jey Uso shirt on going crazy, but I'm not <laughs> expecting a, a W here. Listen, but I'm looking forward to it, though. It's going to be a big SummerSlam, I think, between that, whatever they do with the World Heavyweight Championship. I'm just trying to think about, like, what other matches they can do. And there's a lot of potential matches, I think. You know, Logan and Ricochet seems to be a lock. Maybe LA Knight and Austin Theory. Um, what else are we thinking about for that show? Probably Asuka, Bianca, and Charlotte for the WWE Women's title. Uh, Gunter and McIntyre seems like a lock as well. Um, seems like a pretty full card to me. Ronda and Shayna most likely for that show. So, man, listen, count me in. That sounds like a pretty strong show. No, I think it's going to be a good show. Um, like I said, I think there's still a couple other matches they can announce. So I'm, I'm honestly really excited. I'm really excited as well. I would be excited regardless, but especially since we will be there in Detroit. The countdown begins, likely do a uh, prediction show, much like last year, the day of the show that morning. So looking forward to that. But a lot to talk about before then, Mr. Marceau, on the road to SummerSlam continuing next week. Like I said, no aid. We probably want to talk to AEW anyway because we talk so much about Money in the Bank and all the developments from the pay-per-view. But uh, we'll get back to AEW next week, Raw as well, and any other news and notes that pop up along the way. New episodes every single week, though, on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Uh, enjoy the weekend, Mr. Marcel. I'll catch your ass down the road. I'll talk to you.